Okay. Well, we're, um, we're talking uh, about family. Uh, this is our, our theme for this month. And um, I, I know it was not actually long ago since I spoke about family. And so I'm just going to uh, hit it again from another angle, if that's okay with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to quote some scriptures that I've been quoting for a little while. <laughs> but I, I did look at them this morning and say, Lord, can't we move on from these yet? Uh, but it just kind of rested with me, you know. It's like it, there's still something to go on. And I think there's, there's an incredible richness to revelation and the flow of what the Spirit is doing in the church at the moment. And we should never despise it or think that it is just a matter of information. Okay, we've heard that. Now we can move on. Because there is something that needs to happen when you hear something, when something is declared. Okay, there's a change. And, and also there's a, there's a whole group of people and people are at different levels of experience and there's a, there's a bringing along and a coming on board. So we are going to visit a few very familiar scriptures, okay, and one not so familiar. Um, so just bear with it and, and receive. Open up your hearts, okay, to receive and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring transformation by the renewing of your minds, okay, as you hear the word of the Lord today. Allow it to just come in and to go down. Make your heart fertile soil, okay, for today. We're going to start off by just reading out three scriptures. Okay, some of them are quite long. You may wish to turn with them. I haven't got them on the thing, and they are sort of quite long, so it would be quite difficult for the... Uh, for the desk to keep up so if you'd like to turn with me in your bibles that would be okay first one is mark 6 1 to 5 and this is sort of my scripture of the season in a way at the moment jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to nazareth his hometown the next sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue And many who heard him were amazed and they said, where did he get all of this wisdom and all the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon. His sisters live here right among us and they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. And then Jesus told them, a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles amongst them, except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Okay, just let it go in. You've heard it before. But we've just been talking this week about how the word is so multifaceted. You can read something a million times and then you read it and you think, I've never seen that. So allow it. Just allow it. Open up. Okay. The second one is the story of Elijah and Elisha from 2 Kings 2, starting at verse 1. Now it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he says, Yes, I know. Keep silent. That reminds me of something. 
And then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from over you today? And so he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, you've guessed it. As the Lord lives, I've lost my place now. (laughs) As the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by the Jordan, Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up. Have I missed a bit? Took a bit and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Amazing miracle. And so it was that as they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken away from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And so he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah. I've got a funny box that's appeared over the text. I can't read it. Right. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And and when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw this, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came down to meet him and they bowed down before him. Okay. Scripture number two. It's a story. It's a great story of a great miracle. The third scripture is a short one. And it's from Ephesians 6 verses 1 to 3. A word of instruction from Paul the Apostle. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For it is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Okay, those are my scriptures. We will come back to them and feed on them as a a little feast as we go on. There's two things that I just want to bring out, okay, in the context of this is our month of family, okay, and... um, Really just looking at the church as family. Okay, that's, that's what we're coming at. But the things I want to draw out today are positioning ourselves 
for increase. Okay, positioning ourselves to receive increase and receive the kingdom. But not only positioning ourselves to receive it, but leaving ourselves in a position to sustain it. Okay, to, to rest in it. That's the two things that I want to see drawn out today. Seeing the kingdom released in power and then living in it. Okay, and staying in it. Because it's one thing, isn't it, to receive something from God. But it's another thing to actually live in it and sustain it. So, we're starting off with the basis that the government of heaven is very firmly a family. Is it not? God the Father and God the Son. Well, there we have the basis of a family and God the Holy Spirit. They are a perfect picture, Father, Son, in government, in heaven, and everything else is subject to it. Okay, So the government of heaven is a family. And from this, I, I believe that all of these things, you know, there's many stories, aren't there, giving many kind of pictures of like, Husband and wife being Christ and the church, you know, the father and son and of Jesus and the prodigal and all of that, which give us a picture of what the kingdom is like. And I think this gives us a perfect picture of what government should be like. And government is not a structure. It is not a chain of authority, which Eliot is soon to become very well acquainted with, a chain of authority. It is a family, okay? So don't try this on with a sergeant major because it won't work, okay? (laughs) We've already heard some horrifying stories of things that have gone on, marching around in the pouring rain in boxer shorts and stuff. But anyway, we won't go there. The government of heaven is a family. And uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're living in perfect relationship. And I believe that Jesus began to model this out when he, when he came down. He began to gather around him a set of people, didn't he? Twelve disciples, twelve apostles. And he began to feed into them. And they began to draw from him. And then afterwards, he released them and said, go into all the world and make disciples. Didn't he? And kind of replicating the whole Process. So we have this whole thing of a family-based structure where one is kind of drawing sons and daughters to themselves and kind of building them up, putting stuff into them, everything that is within them, and then releasing them out to go and do the same thing. That's what making disciples is about. That's what discipleship is all about. It's about one person coming to another receiving everything that has been imparted into them and the person doing the giving you know maybe also receiving back with it back again you know and all of that stuff but generally pouring into a person equipping them training them getting them into a place of healing and wholeness and uh, position ready to sort of take authority and then saying right go out and do the same go into all the world and make disciples that is our brief now This family sort of feel uh, for government rather than just a structural type thing, I think is the only way 
that as we start moving into a season of increase, that we will ever sustain what is happening, what, what God wants to do amongst us. And I think we have to get it right inside our hearts. This whole thing that the whole of church is a family, the government of church is a family. We have to have that, that same kind of feeling of honor and respect with one another as one person leads on and so on. You see, I'm sort of tying these three things together. We've got the government of church being a family and we've got the honoring of family. We've got the famous old scripture, which Jesus said when he went into Nazareth and tried to minister amongst people that did not honor him. Okay, he was unable. It says he was unable to do much there because of their lack of honor. So. There has been a tradition in church of protesting and dividing in the Christian church. Okay, it is it's been something which in many times we've looked at and said, well, that's a good thing. You know, for example, the Protestant Reformation, where someone began to rise up and say, well, hang on a minute. This kind of Catholic way of doing things is not quite so right. And the, the whole thing of keeping the scriptures just for the priests, they wanted to rise up and Martin Luther uh, came to the forefront and with the help of the printing press, which came out at the same time, actually released the Bible to pretty much anyone who wanted to get it. To the point now where we have Bibles just everywhere. We've got Bibles on our computers. We've got multiple versions of Bibles. And, and it, was a, it was a reformation that happened which was birthed out of protesting and dividing. So in that respect, that was good. However, however, there is another side of it, and I think one of which many of us who have been Christians for quite a while have, has been a very destructive sort of um, force within the church for a number of years. Now, in this area, there haven't been that many churches, in my experience, with the exception of one or two just starting to come out now and just starting to rise up and gain strength, that have got much over 300 people. It it just doesn't seem to have happened. And in my own experience, as we've watched, what's happened is it kind of gets up to a place of influence, a place of uh, really kind of starting to get together and then suddenly there is this kind of big split or whatever and someone goes off and half the people go with them and stuff. And it is, you're you're back down to sort of two kind of slightly wounded halves which are much, much less effective than the unified one that was there. And uh, this is because... A lot of the motivation for us gathering has been round a set of beliefs. I've said this before, but I'm saying it again. It's called denominationalism. And basically, it says that as long as I agree with what you're saying, I'll stay here with you. As soon as we deviate, as soon as we part off, I'm out of here. Okay. That's denominationalism, and that is the protest and divide type thing that has hampered the church. What is being birthed forth at the moment now, I think, is a new sort of apostolic model of church, which is as church as a family. People gathering 
around a set of relationships rather than a set of beliefs. And as as we've said before, in a family, you can have diametrically opposed sets of beliefs. You could have, you know, staunch conservative and and, uh, radical socialist in the same family, and they may not agree on much, but they are still family. And there is nothing you can do to separate that. And hopefully they would still sit around the table at Christmas and be family. They don't need to bring all those beliefs and all of those things to the table and constantly uh, reinforce them, but they are still family. Indeed. And so I think there is something in this that we have to really grasp. We have to move on from this thing where we've always got this back option of saying, oh, well, I'll hang around until they say something about this, and then it's time to move on. I think it's a time to really recognize the families that God has put us in and to put down roots and to really kind of say, you know, I'll live and die for some of these people. I think we're getting some of those relationships now. I think there's like some history behind us that we've done some stuff together. We've done some projects. We've married a few offspring. We've seen a few babies beginning to emerge and it is lovely. It really is fantastic. And I think it is the real richness of life and so much more for church than a set of beliefs. So much more important are the relationships and the bonds that God has put us together to really kind of stand shoulder to shoulder and see the kingdom released in this area. If we want to see the kingdom released and if we want to see it sustained, okay, a good example of this, Argentina in the 70s, when a a move of God was poured out on the church. Fantastic. Tens of thousands of people becoming Christians overnight The size of a congregation changed from 50 to 2,000. The average size in the the nation changed from 50 to 2,000 overnight. And it was just a lot of people getting their lives sorted out, coming into the kingdom, really the church moving forward. But shortly after, it was blown away because this huge splitting started to happen. And this massive, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of denominations were released in that time, all with slightly different sets of beliefs. And, uh, you know, this one kind of took the communion this way, this one baptized this way, this one baptized in the name of Jesus rather than in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel a little tremor going through the congregation. We've got to do it this way. And. But what it did was actually stop the move of God. It petered out and it was not sustainable. And and subsequently, although there are still some big churches left, many have um, moved on. So so the first thing, I've actually gone at it back to front, not only receiving the kingdom, but sustaining it. This is the sustaining thing. I think in order for us to sustain a move of God, because it is coming, I believe the Lord has said increase is coming and is coming even now as we speak. We are we are in it. But if we want to sustain it, 
we are going to have to be in it for the long haul together and really commit not with pieces of paper and signs and membership but just as a decision of the heart these this is my family for which i will live and die i will do when they're in trouble i will be alongside they get into debt we'll be alongside and we'll help out they get cut, thrown out their home we'll get alongside you know the the amazing resources that we have within a group of one or two hundred people it's just amazing and you know, if we could just harness that together and really realize that we are a family. And if one of your kids was really struggling, you'd do something, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would. You wouldn't just stand there and see them, like, um, get into trouble. Or if one of your brothers or one of your sisters in your family, you would want to come alongside and help in whatever way you can. And I think this kind of heart needs to be in our church. Right. So just moving on. Um, that, that scripture that I read out from Elijah and Elisha, Elijah, they were two prophets in the land, okay, at the time, for those who aren't familiar with the story. Elijah was an amazing prophet of God who saw fantastic things happen. He saw fire come down from heaven and destroy the prophets of Baal, and, and he saw axe heads float on water, and he's, you know, kind of lots of things he saw battles won he saw angels released you just read through the stories in kings about elijah and it is it's a wonderful bit of the bible to read just loads of very exciting stories as he was drawing near the end of his ministry this young man elisha came along and elijah called elisha and said do you want to come and follow me and elisha something inside of him responded and said yeah i think i do and so he kind of finished up his job. He kind of gave up everything and just walked along with him. Now, we joined the story right at the very end, which said that they knew, Elijah knew he was going to be taken up by God. He was one of the, I think, the two people that is not actually recorded as dying in the Bible. There was Elijah and there was Enoch who just lived and was no more and was just translated into the company of his father and no one quite knew where he went but Elijah was actually taken up in a whirlwind wasn't he and um, it was an amazing story but Elijah knew it was going to happen and Elisha knew it was going to happen and he said I'm going to stick close okay now, I think there's some keys in this that help us to understand how we receive things of the kingdom. Now, I'm not talking about kind of like getting into heavy spiritual mums and dads and children, but there is something about how we can receive things of the kingdom from this story. Just one person to a next. And it is about humbling yourself into the place of a son or a daughter and allowing someone to give something to you you know a lot of us have grown up in our circumstances and we like to be fully in control of everything that is going on and what it does is stops us from receiving okay let's just look at this story so you know clearly there was honor like let's connect in this other scripture about jesus was unable to do many miracles because of the honor you know 
I, I noticed something when we went to see Isabel recently and, and the, this, we had this prophetic word, which was great. It was just fantastic. And we were blown away by it as we stood. But I noticed something as I was standing there and I was looking at Isabel. And, you know, I sometimes you have your eyes closed when people are praying for you. But I didn't this time. And I looked at her and I was just kind of looking. She was looking at me and I suddenly realized I was drawing something out of her. (laughs) There was something about the way that I had positioned myself and saw her in that moment as a spiritual mother, if you like, someone who had something to give. And I was able to, by humbling myself and to receive, and just, I was looking at and saying, yeah, go on, more, come on, bring it, more, more, more. And I could feel it. I could feel the flow. Now, Isabel prophesied over us maybe for 15 minutes or so, quite a long, quite a long thing. And just about every area of the ministry was covered every single area and just as perhaps we thought it was going to peter i'd kind of look at her and kind of draw a little bit more and then another bit would come out and it was i felt the process and it reminded me very much of what happened when i went over to malaysia that time and again i positioned myself with jonathan david and said right okay having got over all my objections i said you're the teacher i'm the student for this two weeks, I am going to humble myself. And if you say stand up, I'm going to stand up. And if you say do a handstand, I'll do a handstand. You know, I will just for this moment, I will do this because I'm recognizing there is something in there that I want. I see something that I want to receive from you. You've got something that I've got. I just said it with John, didn't I? I see something. I see a passion in there that I want. And I am willing to humble myself and become a son to receive of that spirit. You know, and maybe John will pray for me and I will receive an impartation of, of, of what he's got. But there has to be a humbling in order to do that. You can't say, oh, well, I understand that. You know, I don't need to, I don't need him to pray for me. I mean, I I understand how all that works. It's in the word. I've got it. You know, there has to be a humbling to position yourself as a son or a daughter. And and it happened with Jonathan David as, as I kind of just yielded myself over that two weeks to the moment where there was this flow again of the prophetic and of the presence of God, which just flooded in. And at any time, every one of us, needs to know how to be a son and a daughter and a mother and a father, okay? And we're coming into a season where I am, I'll speak it over you. Every single one of you will be a spiritual mother and a father. You will have spiritual children. There is coming a time where people will be coming Christians around you and you will not be able to control it. And there will be no one else to disciple them. It will be you, okay? As you lead someone into the knowledge of Christ, they become like your spiritual son or daughter for that moment. And it's like there's something, there's some link that gets there. And it is now within your capability to be a spiritual parent and to feed and to allow them to draw out of you the things that God has put into you. So, but there needs to be that honour. And Elisha had it with Elijah. He said, Father, my father, didn't he? 
He said, you know, it was that was a, a term of intimacy and it was a term of humbling. It was a real term of respect that he spoke out to Elijah, just positioning himself. He aligned himself. You know, he was incredibly persistent in aligning himself, wasn't he? Even though Elijah tried to actually shake him off, I think. He said, Elisha, you stay here. I'm off over here. No, 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 I'm coming. You ain't going. I've heard it said that you're going to be leaving soon and I want to be around to get it. And three times that happened. Three times. And he followed because he identified something in Elijah that he wanted. He humbled himself. He went with him. He followed him. He looked at him. He just stayed close to be able to receive it. So he aligned himself. Elisha's needs were no longer top priority. Elijah's were the top priority and Elisha served him wherever he went. He was incredibly persistent at it. He stuck at it. He didn't give up hope. You know, these are all keys to how do we receive? How do we receive from the kingdom? You know, when you see someone standing up and perhaps leading worship or prophesying over someone or, or, or praying for the sick or, or doing something, and you think, I really want to be like that. These are keys. You can be like that. You can. You just need to align yourself, come alongside and receive. And that is how we're supposed to work. There needs to be an expectation in there as well that like there was with Elisha when he saw Elijah and he picked up the mantle. Well, the first thing he did was, right, I'm going to do at least at least this. And he picked it up and struck the river and said, where is the God of Elijah? And of course, the river parted and he walked across on dry land. He did the same thing as Elijah did. There was an expectation that it was going to happen. And I think. I think wherever we come for prayer, if you come up for someone to pray for you or whatever, and there is no expectation, I think you may as well almost not bother. You've got to come and say, they've got something that I want. And when they lay their hands on me and pray, I'm going to get it. Okay. And if there is that sense of expectation in it, um, then you will begin to receive I think that it's okay to be greedy. It's okay to look at someone and say, that's good. I want more than that. And the reason why that's good, why that's okay, is because any father would be delighted when his sons and daughters go a lot further than he has ever done. Any mother will be delighted when they exceed all of his or her achievements and just go farther. And I... You know, that is my heart for every person, kind of all these 20 somethings that kind of got the bit between their teeth and ready to get out there and see the kingdom come. The sons of thunder, as we have amongst us, you know, that is great. Go out there, see revival. I will cheer. I will come along and I will carry the bags. I will do whatever needs to be done in order to see it happen because I will be delighted. You know, if Brian or Jack or Josie or any of my own actual children kind of push on, do better in business, do better in ministry, do better in miracles and all of this sort of stuff, I will cheer. I will cheer and do whatever needs to be done because that's the heart of a father. That's the heart of a real father. They're delighted when their children do well. And I think we have to have that heart with one another. 
to not have that competitive spirit to say, I've got to be the one. I'm, I'm the one, all right? Just remember that. Uh, but no, we've got to be able to humble ourselves and do whatever needs to be done. Hey, 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 good. Nearly there. Um, eek. Got to get my tablet back. One thing that I do know is that isolation does, independence does lead to isolation and being cut off from the flow. There is a wonderful flow in the kingdom, okay? And um, we are designed to receive one to another. I mean, it, it, it's great when you have individual times with the Lord and you go off and climb up a mountain and just sort of pursue him. But actually, in my experience, the kingdom has always flowed through people from one to another. We are designed to work together as a family, not to be lone rangers, not to be kind of people who just go off by ourselves. And when you become isolated, then that is when the flow gets cut off and you find it much difficult, more difficult to actually receive those things. So there is something about aligning ourselves within the family that um, really, really helps in this. For the theologians amongst you who will come up to me and say, well, what about the scripture where Jesus says, don't call any man father? Okay. You know, I, Jesus says a lot of things, I think, for effect sometimes. All right. For example, unless a man hates his mother and father, brother and sister, he is not fit for the kingdom. Now, does Jesus actually want us to hate our parents when just previously he said, honor your mother and father, that all may go well for you and that you may have long life? No. In these things, you have to look at the context that the whole thing was set in. And in that scripture in Matthew 23, he is addressing the Pharisees and the scribes who position themselves into places of importance and demand that people call them rabbi or teacher and bow down and, and do all of this stuff. It is something that happens from the wrong way around. Now, I personally believe that you cannot impose yourself as a father or a mother on someone. It has to come from the other way around. It's the sons and daughters who align themselves to receive. It is not something that you can demand. And that is the point. It is about do not call anyone father. It is the title. It's the thing about the status and all of that stuff. And we're not into that. Anyone here knows I get a little bit uncomfortable when people call me pastor or any of that sort of stuff. I know I'm okay. I mean, it's all right because a lot of times it's done. It is done with honor and stuff, but that's not something I seek after at all. I do not seek after position or, you know, status in any way whatsoever. I just want to see the flow of the kingdom come. So. Yay, God. So let me just finish with this thought, okay, because I know kickoff's not too far away. Half past one, isn't it? 
So, yeah, the kids will be back in. But what I just want to say within it all, I mean, I think a lot of people are aligned like this. We, are, we know we're in a family. We know that, you know, it's a, it's a great family where people are very committed to one another. There's a lot of, like, help that goes on. There's a lot of blessing. There's a lot of love that's released. There's a lot of support and all of that stuff. So I'm kind of reinforcing the spiritual principle in a way. But the one thing I will add on to it, saying there always has to be room for more sons and daughters. And we have to be willing to take that on board because people are going to come in. There is going to be increased. So we have to have, this is what stretching your tent curtains wide and strengthening your stakes is all about. Soon you're going to be bursting at the seams. It is about making room for more sons, more daughters, more brothers, more sisters, more mothers, more fathers, and letting the whole process continue on. So we're a family. Who wants to finish up? Stubsy, I can, I can think of no better man. Just pray for us and bless us, Mark. Thank you, Father, for that word. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, as we breathe in right now, just take a bit of flavor of you today, Lord. As we breathe in your Holy Spirit and your love and your glory in this place, Father. I bless each one of us that we can, yeah, have the faith and the courage to go out there and give that love away, Father God. Father God, make us radical Christians <laughs> that want to speak your blessings and your word and your, your life into situations, Lord. I thank you for today. And we just, we bless it in your mighty name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Let me just add one thing that two things. If today I've said something and you don't feel like you're in the family of God at all and would love to be, come and see me. Okay? Let's just pray. We just need to pray and that's it, you're in. Okay? It's as simple as that. Number two, if you would like to be part of this family, the Chipler Lighthouse Family Church, well, at the moment, we're, we're doing a little course called the Welcome Course, which is starting on Tuesday night. The first one is on Tuesday night. And if you'd like to get a little bit more integrated into what we are, to understand what makes us tick, and uh, to meet some people, to really feel that you belong in the place, then why don't you consider coming along? Give it a try. See what it's like. Um, you can go and see Heather. Heather's kind of coordinating uh, the people that are coming to that. It'll just be at our house. Um, and John and Merle, isn't it? It's here. Too many people for our house. It's going to be here. That's good. And um, yeah, John and Merle and Nigel and Linda are going to be involved. Linda's a little bit poorly at the moment, but I'm sure when she gets back on her feet, she'll be in. But if you'd like to get involved, just feel a little bit more of a part, then go and see Heather at the end. Okay? Coffees are open. Delicious cakes. Oh, yeah, what a wonderful birthday party. If anybody wants any prayer, the prayer ministry team will be at the front if you want any prayer.